Welcome to the Prime People Podcast, where we cover all things that got us to where we are today, our team building strategies, the marketing and sales tips that we've learned through thousands of transactions, productivity tips, ways to really just hold yourself accountable to accomplishing what you want to accomplish, and all things content creation, personal development, and not to mention we have some of the best guests on the planet. Chris, when I booked this episode with you, I mean, very first thing that popped in my head was... I need to demystify what it means to have a team in real estate and you operate a phenomenal team. Your journey has been interesting. You shared a bit of it with me privately when we had our chat yeah. um, and then prior to this episode about, you know, building the team and refining the team and, and looking at what are the best things that a team could be. And then what are the things that you don't want a team to be? So maybe give people a little bit of your background, who you are, where you operate in case they need to do business there and, and where you're at with the team. All right. Uh, so my my company's Kelleher and Co. We're here in Collingwood, Blue Mountains area. Uh, you know, a couple hours north of Toronto. Uh, I started off as an individual agent and then got an assistant quite early on. And after about three or four years, I realized that I just uh, I was too overwhelmed to handle everything. I started dropping balls, and I knew I needed a new structure. So I uh, shifted over to a team system, but kind of a unique team system where uh, you know. I pass on all my business to my team and I run the engine of the team. I run the marketing uh, and I, I run the back end of things and client care and relationships and stuff Why, where they do all the selling. Oh, that's pretty interesting. And now from a client perspective, like for the consumers that are watching this, what would be the benefit of working with somebody like yourself? Like I, I want Chris to do everything for me. Like, do you ever deal with that pushback or what that handoff looks like? Well, I mean, it's not like I'm I'm not around, right? So yeah. I handle all things on the listing side, but even on the buyer side, like, you know, when I have best friends or whatever, and they're out working with someone on my team, they can give me a show, we can talk. It's not like I'm unavailable. Sure. But the reality is that I only have, you know, top of the line, top producing realtors that are on the team, mm-hmm. you know, agents and brokers that are going to be able to replicate everything we do. And what we've done is we've created a brand, we've created a service and deliverables, we've created a culture and values. And that's what we deliver, right? So it doesn't really matter. It can be interchangeable. And with our business, as you know, you're not always available, right? So there's, and when you're doing weekend homes and everyone comes on Saturday to see homes, you can't always accommodate. So we, we move places with people on the team all the time. It doesn't matter who's there. The customer is still getting what we call the real estate hug. They're still feeling they're getting the education. They feel like they're getting the knowledge, uh, the answers, the communication, and no one feels when they work with someone else that they're getting shortchanged because they got the junior agent or, you know, some people will say to me, am I going to get just passed off? Are you going to pass it off to one of your lackeys? Hmm. Um, but everyone's, you know, everyone is a top selling realtor. You know, like my team here holds about 6% market share. Uh, and that's pretty big deal. We're a pretty small team overall. We also run on a one-to-one agent uh, to admin ratio not direct these two work together but to have two marketing experts in-house to do the things that you know you're great online obviously your presence is huge justin but it's not you uh managing you know your uh, custom audiences and your google remarketing and and all these things that you need to do you have hired people on your team to take care of it so um i just really wanted to i'm always leveraging for the business i want to have not for the one that i have right now and that's been a big part of having six admin, having operations, having client care, deal processing, marketing, staging, uh, and making sure that you know the the brokers and agents are concierge to be able to be the best they can be at what they do, and not get dragged into the stuff we don't uh, 
we don't really like doing and that eats up our time and energy. Yeah, it's super interesting. Like I think both from the agent perspective and the consumer perspective, the reason I asked you that question was truthfully because you know, a lot of consumers may think they want the name or the face. What they actually are hiring is the system, right? They want to work with Chris because of your level of success that you have, your track record. And that comes with the systems and processes that you've built. Um, I say it on my team too, right? Like there's certain places and times when if I'm partnering with an agent on a file, that agent may have more data than me on a specific asset type and location because yeah. they just, they know it better than me. They're in it 24 seven and me giving up half of my commission to that agent is actually to the benefit of that client so that I can go back into my network and give them a larger exposure. But I think a lot of agents out there struggle with a lack of identity, right? And again, yeah. we live, let's move back to the agent side of things. We live in an industry where people are constantly chasing other people's versions of success. Should I join a team? I'm going to join a team. I have them. When I hear that, I'm like, man, there's a million different team models out there. Like what, what does a team really mean to you, Chris, in this day and age? Well, I think, you know, what the team means to me now, and it's always meant to me something a lot different than what it's meant to other people in terms of a lot of teams are built in a way I'm the team leader. And then the people that I bring on my team, especially on the agent side of things, what can those agents do for me? Right. So how are you helping me do my business better? Are you bringing me more leads? Are you taking care of the leads I don't want? Are you converting all these things? Mine's kind of the opposite system where I just decided I wanted to be, what can I do for you? You tell me, your goals as they come to you and you, and the goals are for our time, your time first. How do, how many days vacation do you want a year? How many weeks off do you want? How much, how many hours a week do you want to work? How many days a week do you want off? What do you think? What do your weekends, evenings look like? And then how much money do you want to make? And then I create in my system, your success with that. So it's how can I help you get to that and not what they can do for me. And it's just been a, a great system of, of trust and, um, and delegating in a way that everyone feels like they're getting the best out of it. You know, a lot of people on teams say, I'm not getting the leads I want, or I'm not getting treated fairly, or I'm not getting the right split. And really when agents sit down with me and I'm, I'm constantly, I'm not recruiting, but I'm constantly meeting with agents who are curious about my team and, you know, our success being a part of it. And as soon as the agents start going on about splits and that being a primary thing for them, then I know it's not a good fit for what, what, what we do. We have a give first mentality on the team. Everyone's there for someone else. And we know money is a byproduct of hard work. And if you're going to make, you know, 300 grand this year and it's a 95% to the team and 5% to you, but you worked 50 hours a week, had eight weeks vacation and made the money you want to make, what does the split even matter? Right? it's the results that matter that you feel you're being taken care of. And, uh, and those people that are commission driven for each deal aren't in it for the long game where we're not going to bicker about a little bit of a split here or there because it's all going to come out in the wash when we're all there for each other. But same thing happens on the sales side. I mean, people are welcome to work with whoever they want in this industry, but it's if somebody's strictly trying, grinding me on commission on a sale and I show them that tangibly I have, can have a larger impact than a cheaper person that I'm competing against, like if it's not about the net, I can't compete if it's strictly on going with the cheapest option because I'm not going to be the cheapest option. But if you want the best result at the end of the day, here's the system that I use to achieve that. I think it's the same thing when it comes to teams, especially in this day and age. There are so many teams that are like one person and a bottle of water that call themselves a team, right? And I think that's part of the problem in our industry is a lot of people they're confused and they conflate one team with another, right? So I guess let's do the three pros and three cons. Let's talk three cons first. What are three cons to joining a team? And then we'll go into three pros. 
Well, I mean, these are cons if you're joining the wrong team, right? If you're joining a team that it's about the team leader, it's about the team leader's bottom line, and you're just there to help that team leader achieve it, I think that can be a down a downfall. Um, I mean, if that's really the only thing I think is the is the con of being is being on a team that has the wrong values that's not aligned with what you have that's that's using you to rise them up versus you know leveling you up by you being on that team. So I think that could be the, the huge cons. When you say like, what is a team, right? You know, the, this guy's dog comes on showings with him. So now he has a team. It's him and the dog. You know, it's, it's you know, people are married and they're like, well, my husband has done some paperwork for me. So I have a team or they have an agent in the office that they want to break. So like they want to, so to cover while they're away. Everyone's calling themselves a team. So you know, actually in talking to people like you and, and other team leaders, you know, I'm trying to figure out how do we, what term can we use that's different than team that really addresses what we're able to provide for you that is going to be a level further? When you talk about the commission, right? Are you looking to uh, save money or are you looking to make money, right? And most people are looking to make money and they're not really concerned with how much it costs. If I get you 4% more for your house, uh, but you could have, you know, saved 1% one percent on commission, then you're, you're short anyways, right? On all, on all from buy, the buy and sell side. You can shortchange yourself if you yourself devalue the agent. If you devalue the agent, then it doesn't matter which one you pick. You can pick a cheap one. But if you if you value an agent, then you should pay that agent to give you the results that you want that are going to be best for you. And it's funny that you say that because I think about plumbers, right? Like I can pay the cheapest plumber that I could find and he may end up costing me the most amount of money because he didn't actually fix the problem. I could call the most expensive guy, but he's probably just too busy that he's priced me out that... You know, he doesn't really want my business anyway, but he'll do it if I pay him enough money. I want the, some somebody that offers great value at a great price. Um, and I think that's the conversation here is what value is the team bringing? And I think for you, Chris, like we call it our platform, right? Like for, right. for us here at Prime, we provide a platform. And a lot about our platform is the increased exposure, the ability to be around top producers that are actually doing the thing. And then just the community and culture to help us push through tough times. And the industry is in a very tough time right now. And I think, you know, being focused on that culture first is super interesting, especially how you reverse engineer it and you do the vacations first. We will get to that in the episode. I definitely want to talk about that in depth, but let's talk about the three pros. Let's talk about some positives when it comes to joining a team. So I think the one main pro and, and what I really got from even starting a team is this is a really lonely industry when you're in it on your own. When you're on your own, you're protecting your leads. You don't want anyone to know. You don't want to say, hey, I got this listing I might go to because you think they might steal it. There's, there's lots of pettiness and, and that uh, uh, feeling of who's going to get what. And, you know, I think being a part of something and making a quick phone call about, uh, I mean, we're in rural, right? So a septic system or some taxes between municipalities or how we write in local improvement clauses or something like that. So these little bits we have, you know, we have our WhatsApp chat. So you get answers like this. You don't have to have all the answers. We get the collective knowledge of the whole team of all the transactions, right? Through a weekly meeting, we get that camaraderie and we get the knowledge sharing and we become a think tank, right? I don't have to do 20 septic inspections to get the results uh, and the learning from 20 septic inspections. We share that at the meeting, right? Because no one's here, you know, we don't have anything. This is Maggie's client and this is Leanne's client. It's all the team's clients. Right. We are all here together to take care of it. So I think that's the main thing is that it's a lonely industry. But the other thing is that you have things concierge, right? If you want to, if you believe your skill set and, you know, the thing that your, your unique ability is uh, networking and, you know, negotiating and, you know, being a great people person, 
then maybe you don't want to do Facebook and Instagram posts or build yourself a website or put a sign in a lawn or even design a sign or figure out a brand or whatever you're doing. Maybe you just want to be good at what you do. And that I think is a huge benefit of being on the team. And then I think the third thing is time, right? If you want to go on vacation for eight weeks and who's going to take care of your clients, if you want to go for two weeks, right? And we all know everyone says, man, every time I go on vacation, I get so busy. Like the phone can't stop ringing. But the reality is there's a reason why that happened. It's because the day before you go on vacation is the most productive day you've had in your life. You're like, I'm going to button up all these things. I'm going to do all my emails, my phone calls. I'm going to touch base with those clients. I'm going to wrap all this stuff up. Those are the things that fill the pipeline. So we fill our pipelines before we go on vacation, right? And that's the thing I say on my team is like, you always want to have the day before your vacation. We should aim to have that day every day. That's how effective we could be uh, when we feel like we're running out of time. But when we have tomorrow, we usually have put a few things off for tomorrow. But that would be number three would be, I think, being able to have control of your time and just, you know what, I'm just away this weekend and someone else can help me with my clients. And it's not just a random person in the office. It's someone that you know shares your values, has your knowledge, has your team to rely on as well to answer questions. And I think that builds so much confidence in the agents on our team because they know someone knows, right? Someone knows. So I would say those are, those are three pros for sure. Yeah, that's super interesting. And over the time that you've built your team, I, let's go through maybe it's that time of year where a lot of agents are, are jumping ship and they're going to different places. And it happens every like October, November, December, people get into business planning modes. They're like, you know what? The market's tough. I'm going to make a shift. This is going to change everything. Yeah. Sometimes that attrition is good. Sometimes that attrition's not so great. Where have you put yourself in a position to, to find maybe some tough conversations that led to good growth for you or, or allowed people to feel like they can come and go and find the right people? I guess that would be my question. You find the right people for my team? Yeah, like when you're dealing with transitions in teams, like how have you found the best recipe to find the right people that fit your cultures and value? Um, given you know a lot of people at this time of year are thinking about that. Well, I, I'm there's I'm, I'm a huge gatekeeper for what comes into my team. I don't want anything in my team that's going to disrupt the harmony that we have. And as soon as I have that agent that's thinking about deal for deal, or this is my client, or what's the mm -hmm. split, all these things. That's not the part of our culture. Everything goes into one pool. Everyone takes their piece. And we're here to have control over our lives as real estate agents. You know, like one of the presentations I do is a lot based on the difference between freedom and flexibility. And as realtors, we have the flexibility to work while we're on vacation. We have the flexibility to watch our kids playing in the pool while we're doing a deal poolside in Mexico. But very few of us have the freedom to disappear for a week and know everything is taken care of and you have nothing to worry about. Turn your phone off, forward your emails and, and be gone. So if we're thinking, oh, well, that was my client, but I was away, but I should get this and all these little bickerings about the commission. I think that's what breaks this down. And if we make it about the money and not about the people and the service and uh, the enjoyment we're having, then it becomes a problem for my culture. So when I have as many meetings as I can so that I have a pipeline of people if I need an, a new admin or if I need an agent to join the team. Um, I have a pipeline of people that I could, you know, reach back to, but I eliminate, you know, 19 out of 20 people that I talk to because they're just not going to fit. And in terms of turnover, you know, this is the first time I've had this team for eight years. This is the first time that I've had turnover of agents. Um, I had three agents leave this year all together. Um, they're all great friends. They, they will always remain friends. You know, they were with me for five, six years. Uh, and I think that's a pretty good run. And, you know, the market cools. 
They're not selling as much. There's a lot of time to think and wonder what's next. What can I do? What's happening here? You know, people, you know, make a switch in life and they, they did that. And that's the only attrition I've had for agents. Otherwise, it's just agents come, stay and grow. Um, and I think that's based on having that give first culture and, and the trust that just not even having that thought of this is mine and this is mine and that's not mm -hmm. yours and this is mine, all that stuff. It's everybody pools all of their time, money and energy into one thing. And then we go and sell real estate and we're super proud of what we do. We're super excited about the clients we have. You know, I, I don't know. I didn't check your Google reviews, but we're over 300 Google reviews. That's impressive. Um, that, that we have here. So, you know, and also when your business becomes, you know, 70% repeat and referral, you know, you're doing something right. Right. If you're not constantly like, I don't have to go and generate a lot of new business all the time. Right. A lot of it's just coming because our past clients are telling their friends and family, these are the people you need to use. And even when that happens, they say, well, we work with Leanne, but it doesn't really matter. You can work with Annette or Maggie if you want. It's going to be just fine. Right. Oh, we kind of wanted to work with Marcia. Well, Marcia's away. She had gone for a whole month. Right. So she's away for a month in Jamaica. Uh, but everything's taken care of. Her listings are taken care of. All of her buyers are taken care of. But she's not worried about where that commission's going to go because that's the last part of our thought. We don't make this business about the money because also 99% of this business, 99% of what we do in this business, we do for free. But the, when we, the 1% we get paid for, we get paid very well. But a lot of stuff, you don't get paid to show houses. You don't get paid to write offers, right? You don't get paid to meet clients, go on listing appointments, do any staging. You don't get paid for any of this stuff. That's true. Podcast. But when you do get paid from the work you do, it's, it's big money. Right. So people think, you know, agents make a lot of money, but there's so much that you got to put out there that a lot of people say, I don't want to waste my time, but mm -hmm. you got to do it. And, and another uh, buddy of mine, who you probably know, Tom Story, yep. he came to talk at our office and he said, another thing is that 99% of the time in someone's life, they don't need a realtor, but the 1% of the time that they do, you got to be in the forefront of their mind. Right. So it's an interesting balance where the, only 1% of your life, you, you need a realtor. And only 1% of the work we do, we actually get paid for. Uh, it's, it's very true. I mean, I recently sent a large portfolio of referral properties over to the UK. And that came from hours and hours and hours on an app called Clubhouse, actually, of all things. It was uh, in Breakfast of the Champions. It's somebody that I developed a friendship with. They had a big portfolio of properties to sell. I sent it to Sirhant. They're taking care of it. And like, I never would have known that would have come through that. And the only reason I got the 14-unit portfolio is because of the work that I put in and I was forefront in her mind. And I thought about it from a messaging standpoint. I had said it, hey, if you need a, an agent anywhere on the planet, let me know. I have an amazing network. I've got people like you up in Collingwood. I've got people in the UK and New York. If you're watching this podcast and you need an agent, literally message me. I've got one anywhere. It, it takes a little bit of time to refine what that looks like. And the reason I made that point was it's probably taking you time as a leader to refine what skills you really need to hone and work on to be a good leader and provide that culture. What are some of the key components you think team leaders need to have to create good culture and trust within their organizations? I think it's a give first selflessness. I think to be a good leader, like I'm a, my master's education, I'm a former grade three teacher. And, you know, if you don't have the, 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 the patience to, to work with these kids and make these, these connections and, um, sort of, I, I believe in what you're doing. Um, I, I think that can be a bit of an issue. I feel like I lost my train of thought here because I was going to jump to something else there for a minute, but, um, it really is about, you know, going back to what you're saying before, believing in what you're doing, that 
you know people and you'll get that for those 14 units in the UK, but all the work that you're doing, you're not worried about not getting paid for it. You believe in the process. Mm -hmm. You believe in what you're doing is going to uh, bring fruit later. And I think a lot of agents want that, especially anyone that was licensed in the last couple of years. They How want about the last three months? They're like, I need to get a deal on the board. And it's like the hardest yeah. time in the market for sure. It's that immediate gratification that people want. And really, especially now you got to this and this is how real estate's been, you know, most of the time up, up where I am, you meet clients and it's a six to 12 month or longer process for converting. But you're not going to be upset that you're not making money from that person within the week you met them. Right. You know, the last couple of years you get a listing and within a week's time you have a sale on that and you know you have a closing. But this could take 12 months. You go do a listing presentation. They're like, you know what, Justin, why don't you come back in the spring? We think we want to list in the spring. You come back in the spring. It takes three or four months to sell it because of the market. And, you know, you meet someone in November and you close their deal in December of next year. Yeah. And that's just what this business is. It's believing in that process of all the stuff that I'm doing is going to pay off. And I'm really just, I, I visualize, you know, a long calendar of months. And when I meet someone, I just take a tack and I'm like, that's an April sale. I've made a sale for April. I don't worry that they're not ready to go now. I know I got to fill that pipeline. And I want to look forward and seeing all these tacks in the board. Like, oh, wow, we get, looks like we got 12 deals lined up for April, right? Instead of feeling like it's not happening now, you just have to believe, you know, in that process going forward. And I think, you know, guys like you and I do that. And with your referral system, when you talk about Sirhant and stuff, you may not know the person in London, but you know Sirhant. So yep. One text message. Next thing you know, you got a contact for England. You've helped your client out. Well, check this out. And so true, right? Like having established networks of people that you can vet. Like if I needed somebody and maybe I didn't have that contact, when I send a referral, I actually spend my time going through talking to you. You tell me about the person. I do my research on them because I'm not going to attach my name to anybody's name that I don't actually want to co-sign. Other people in our industry will do that. They'll literally call anybody and give anybody's random name and they yep. get a referral for it. Um, Mehmet, the guy I sent the referral to, I've been in the ecosystem with him for three years. He's been contributing. He's been showing up in the Facebook groups. He's shown up on the podcasts and, you know, supported as a viewer and like, like my content. So like he did the job of showing up as a community member to get that referral without even me thinking twice about it. Right. Like I know Mehmet, like know him, know him on the flip side, you know, being a member of a community, because again, I, I kind of want to get rid of the word team altogether. I don't like it. Um, the, the member that is part of your platform or your system, how do you think they can be the best version of themselves to help the ecosystem thrive? Because I find sometimes people will come in and they'll be super shy. They're not sure how to interact. They, they find it difficult to maybe share things that they're struggling with. Like, how would you encourage somebody to go into an ecosystem with an open heart and an open mind and really become a contributing member and get as much value from it as they can? I mean, I think everyone has to go about it their own way because we all have different personalities in terms of how outgoing we are and such. But I think what's really important and what I, I never did going in, I'm not sure if you did, and I don't think many agents do, but I kind of forced the people on my team to do this, uh, which is figure out what you really want from the industry. Because, you know, I'll ask an agent, well, how much money do you want to make? They're like, how much money do you think I can make? And I said, well, that doesn't matter. You, you got to get a magic wand and say, I would like to work 50 hours a week. I want four weeks off and I'd like to make 200 grand. Is that possible on your team? And if you know that about you, then you know when you've reached your goals. And if you don't know that, you'll wonder if the team's given you what it should have. But we sit down every year. I ask them what their goals are. They got to set, I don't set goals for people. They have to set their own goals. I need to make it happen. 
And when they set their goal, it's their ownership and I'm there to help, but they also have to convert and they got to do their thing. And, you know, on my team, I just, we've created this culture. Like I just, if we, when you have give first and everyone's there for each other, a new person comes in and they, they see it and they think, oh, wow, like I got to contribute here. I got to make a sacrifice. When I see a WhatsApp thread that says, geez, I'm tied up. Can someone show my property at 4 p.m. on Saturday? Who, who can do it? I know that I want to jump in and do it because I know people are going to jump in for me. So that culture started right from the very beginning that it was us, like right, right away. And this was a Christopher Invidiata thing out of the gate. It was myself, Leanne Matthews, who's still with me, and then Wendy Amadou, who's still with me. The three of us as, as agents, uh, when, I was, when I was, you know, full-time selling in terms of, it's not that I don't sell right now, it's that I, I'm not out with buyers as much. I, I got to narrow down what the best use of my time is. Um, and we just said, you know, each of us had a split with the team. Right. It wasn't, you know, a lot of teams will have this is the split and this is how much Chris gets. But the reality is I only make money if there's any left because mm-hmm. right? I don't do the transactions. I'm support. I'm coaching. I'm sales director. I'm marketer. I'm doing that stuff, but I'm not in the transaction. So I only get paid if there's any left. So having that even when I did a deal, a certain percentage was going to, to support the team, the employee we have, the marketing costs, all that stuff. Um, I think that is super valuable to the culture I have, but you know, going into the team personality aside, I think you need to decide what does you want? What do I want to get out of this team? Not what is this team going to give to me? So now you're sitting waiting for it. What, what do I really want? Set your goals, write them down, make sure they're clear as a team leader, make sure the agents on your team are doing that. And as an agent on a team, make sure you've done that. So, you know, did I have a successful year? Well, let me see what my goals were, right? Did I feel overworked? Did I feel underpaid? Did I feel like I got enough leads Did I feel overwhelmed? Uh, and I just think people don't do that going into it. And you'll see people that have a team and they're not leaders. They haven't even set their goals. They don't even know that your people, I mean, you probably talk to some team leaders. They go, man, I hate managing people. Oh, so much work. Well, then why a team leader? Mm-hmm. You need to figure out a better way to do it. But there's such an ego in this business that being a part of a team can make you feel like you're not, you know, the best of the best. Um, and maybe that's not for you. Like not everyone is going to make a million dollars a year. Not everyone's going to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Not everyone wants to process deals. Not everyone loves uh, organized checklists. Some people like chaos and excitement. So I think going into a team, you got to really figure out what do I want to get from this team and can they provide it for me? Yeah, I think that's key. Um, and again, our industry has a way of just glamorizing and celebritizing the lifestyle associated with being a real estate agent. And, you know, whether I remember when I got in the business, I'm like, Oh, I'll read millionaire real estate agent. That's the blueprint. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I, I went into it and we were about to sign a 4,000 square foot lease. I start recruiting agents. Cause I'm like, well, we're a brokerage now. That's what we do. And I'm like, no, we're that's, we're not that like, we're not really a brokerage. I'm not interested in hiring a million agents. I'm not worried about office count. And it's interesting how we've refined that over the years even with putting walls around where I do stuff like this and where I do speaking engagements. Cause I'm not, don't want to be a public speaker. Like I, I like collaborating mind share thought leadership. I like going, making connections with people like you bringing your ideas back to my team, refining our culture. Yep. And I think that's what people really need to do every year and, and don't put too much pressure on themselves, you know, and put this false sense of success that they feel like if they don't achieve it, they're not successful because I think you hit the nail on the head, Chris, they're like, people's version of success and happiness is so unique to them that they need to start with them first. And I love what you do at the vacation. I'll give you my, my blueprint. You want it in terms of how yep. we do our calendar. So 
Okay, this is for anybody, whether you're solo, whether you're married, whether you have a family, just this is what I like to try and do. Once a year, plan something epic. Has to go on your calendar, right? 30-day trip, 60 days if you really want to get crazy. That, that's like the moonshot, yeah. right? But 30 days. Then once a quarter, you're taking one week, right? So a one-week trip. Maybe you're going to go away a couple times a year, but if you want to protect the bank account, maybe you go camping or you do something else. Yeah. Once a month, you take a three-day weekend. Once a week, you do something that scares you. If yeah. you fill your calendar up with all of that stuff, it really does put you in a place, Chris, where like you start working through your life and you're like, I've only got so many hours to work. And then the work is a lot more focused where sometimes do you think people go wrong and they start with the work first and then they get home and they're just burnt out and miserable and they hate their life and their job? Absolutely. And, and really, so we like it's a demand on my team. It must happen. It's on our weekly agenda every week. And we even have a one calendar set apart from everything else uh, in a different software that you have to plan a vacation. Everyone needs a vacation to look forward to at all times. You can't wait until you have the time to then plan that vacation because you'll never have the time. But when you put it in the calendar, you somehow make time for it. You're prepping for it. And you have something exciting to look forward to. And I, I applied this just because coming from the teaching world, there was always within like eight to 12 weeks, there was always another vacation, a long weekend. Yeah, for sure. There was always time off. Yeah. So when you're doing the work, and, and teaching is another thing that gives me that, you know, concept of believing it's going to happen. Like when I was in October, I never thought, man, I got to teach all this math to these eight-year-olds. How am I going to turn these grade twos into grade eights? I just knew if I do what I need to do every day, by the time I'm through those 182 days, those grade twos will be grade fours. Like it, it'll, it'll happen. So, but if you have a process that you're doing every single day and you believe in it, you know that the grade twos will be grade fours. But if you're worried about teaching an entire math curriculum in one day, that's where I, I think, you know, you're, you're going to struggle with, with what that is. And, you know, time first, book that vacation, make sure it's there. Make sure you know, make sure you know how much time you want off. Make sure you are having that free day. You know, and some people are like, yeah, you know what? I didn't practice real estate today, but I checked my emails 400 times. Well, that's still working, right? It's, it's that concept of like, you bring a file to the cottage for the weekend, because just in case some time breaks out, but there's kind of some emotional damage that happens because you get back in that car on Sunday and you're like, fuck, I was supposed to carve out time to do that thing. Yeah. So whole, and maybe all weekend you were stressing, but I should carve an hour out to go, go through that file and do that thing. And when you don't do it, then you feel guilty about it. So there's something to be said for I'm off. I'm not worried about anything falling apart. I'm not worried about balls dropped. I'm not worried about missing a lead. My business is taken care of by my team. And, and I'm out and just freeing your mind, not having that like open file that you're worried about. You just, you really do need free days to, um, free focus and buffer days to really refine your time and make sure you're getting what you want out of the business and out of your day. And just not getting lost in this. This business can suffocate you, man. There's, there's so much money to be made and clients to get. You can just chase all day. I think it's pulling back once you understand what it is success means to you. Like what does make you happy? Is it the money? Or is 200 grand enough for me? Do I need more? Now I need time. Now I need vacations. Now I need experiences. I need time with my kids. I need evenings off. Uh, you know, something as simple as that. Like I need to watch Yellowstone. I got to catch up. I need some, I need a few free evenings. <laughs> Whatever that is, you just got to know what you want. And a lot of people, what they want is success that they haven't defined and money, which they haven't defined. Mm -hmm. So once you define those things, and I didn't at the beginning either. I mean, I hit the ground scrambling, you know, pregnant wife, new baby, you know, 12 years ago. And I was just like, just get up every day and hustle. And that's a term you hear a lot in this business. 
and I and I I do have you know all these words on my wall: focus, hustle, grit. But that hustle piece is so exhausting, and you can only hustle so long before you need to set a plan in place. Uh, and and hustling is just just sounds exhausting to me. But I had to do it at the beginning. I had to just get out and get on that treadmill and go 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 without an idea of when I was going to stop. Uh, once you get to the point where you know what you want, you know when you've had a successful day, and you know when you've had a successful month, year, and you know when to stop. Right? It's just this business can just this business can just run you off your feet and suffocate you constantly. That's absolutely true. Um, I'd like to make there's a metaphor I always use, and it's jujitsu in real estate. Right? I use jujitsu for everything because you know if you look at the martial arts, a lot of the principles apply to everything that you do, whether you're fly fishing, doing archery, being a parent. Yeah. work real estate i think you know when you're a white belt you're in survival mode you're trying to just not drown right so when you're a brand new agent you're literally just trying not to not drown you don't know what to do they haven't even shown you how to do listing paperwork so get past that then maybe get your blue belt you're kind of in defensive mode you're trying just not to get killed and then you get your purple belt and you're just trying to get up from the ground and learn how to get up from the ground then you get your brown belt and now you're on top and you're learning how to control people and then you get to your black belt and you finally should be learning submissions. Yeah. A lot of times people come into jujitsu and they want to learn submissions the first day when they're in class. Show me a triangle, show me an arbor, rear naked choke. Like they want to know the stuff that they see on TV when in reality, it's exactly what you said. Taking the, the kid from you know grade two to grade eight or, or walking them through math, it's just the act of showing up is yeah. usually enough. I think the environment matters so much. So making sure you're in an environment of excellence with people that have the right vision, intention, you know, ethics as you, and sometimes, you know, that's not like maybe the people that are a hundred percent focused on the money and could care less about the relationship and the people they'll find themselves and they'll be very happy together and they'll, they'll live their life and live their life how they want to live it. But I think yeah. what you're saying here is really finding that intentionality and then finding a place where that intentionality aligns with you and getting rid of the word team. I think it's a platform or a system. It could be a solo agent. It could be a virtual company. It could be a boutique brokerage, a boutique team. It could be a gigantic national team. But I think everybody has to do that kind of soul searching for themselves. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for what you're going to be able to get from a team, but you don't really even know what you want for yourself, right? I think, you know, in, in all sorts of forms of personal development, people sort of want to not maybe feel the way they feel now or have the business or level of success, success they have now, but they don't really know what they want. And it's, and it's tough to be honest with yourself. I think some people will have an ego involved saying, you know what, I actually, I think I just need me and an assistant and, you know, I want to sell 20 homes a year and work with the people I like. They may not seem, they may not feel that successful, uh, you know, from doing that. And maybe I could do more, but is that really what you want? Like being honest with yourself is very difficult in all areas of life to figure out what it is you really want in any relationship you're having, right? So uh, on a team platform, it was really big for me to have that communication and understanding of what everyone wants so that I can make that all happen, give people that freedom and make sure whether you're admin or agent, you're planning a vacation, right? If you're, if you're vacation right now, we have, you know, one of our admin going to England and she was afraid to ask because she's going way over her vacation time for the year. But can you imagine how miserable it would be if I said, no, nope, you can't go to England. Sorry, you can't have an extra four days off this year. Yes, you're getting paid for it. It's fine. Those little things are the give first. Like she is going to give back to this team massively for feeling that freedom, right? Another, you know, another admin, she's like, just not feeling great today. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll go home at noon. Totally fine. Hmm. Right? It's about getting the work done. I don't want to pay people for their time. I want to pay people for their effort and the results, right? 
And I want to trust people for their effort and results when it comes to the agent side of thing where you're not, we're not paying anyone. Um, but, and then, you know, there's, there's a lot of leadership and guidance in our position, right? When you're motivating people today that have had a bit of a struggle and there might be a little bit of a fear right now. Um, and you make a, an MM, uh, a jiu-jitsu reference and i got a little quote from mma on the weekend from the ufc event and that's uh the commentary that without fear there is no bravery oh dustin Poirier, yeah he did say that you heard him say that yeah yeah i was like you know what that's interesting right because we're in this moment you know we have a big project that we're doing for the team we're building a new office uh and it's we're about a year longer than we thought and then double the budget we thought which, you know, there's fear involved in that. Sometimes you don't want to feel afraid, but that is true. Like feeling afraid is what creates the bravery to get to that next level. I think we need to scare ourselves a little bit. We need to have these situations where the market shifts, figure out the tools to handle it, get back to the basics that we know we've always had to do and continue to fill the pipeline and just believe in the fact that if I do the right thing every day, if I'm making sure my clients are contacted, are satisfied, the knowledge is there, I'm doing prospecting, from any any other way I need just doing it and I might have an entire week of just doing a whole bunch of work I made zero money for mm -hmm. that is gonna pay off right that the grade twos are gonna become grade fours if you show up every day and teach your classroom right if you're worried nervous you go home and you're scared I don't want to go to the classroom today I don't think I'm gonna get all the math taught by the end of the year oh my goodness that that cowering is not gonna help right so I think it's it's that ongoing just belief in what I'm doing works even though I don't get immediate gratification for it now. And then find that when you find the uh, fulfillment, not in the money in this business, but in what clients say about you, uh, you know, how many referrals you get, how happy those clients are, how rewarded you feel from that human interaction and coming through for people, then money is a byproduct of hard work. You've been there for your clients and you know that will grow. And, you know, we, we have a, you know, huge community event every year. We, we, in the past pre COVID would at our fall festival have about 500 people come out. Wow. This year we had 750 people register. No idea how many people actually came. Uh, but it was a massive blowout, like to the point where we, you know, had to have a conversation after like, how are we going to dial this in for 20 <laughs> people that came, but it's also put together by our community where, yeah. All of the beer, wine, cider, Caesars, all of the food, um, and even... They all feel like they're a part of it. Like the community feels they're like as much a part of your organization as the people that are there working, right? Yeah, and, and the small businesses just give us all that stuff. That's amazing. This is a 700-person event that all the food and drink, kids' food, adult food, live music, bouncy castles, it was all contributed to us from the community, from our relationship we create with other small businesses. Yeah. So, you know, th that's something that if you're just building something you feel is right and that works, the relationships happen, money comes and success comes without focusing on the money all the time. And I think that's one of the hardest things about this industry is focusing on that money and also thinking it's easy. People yeah. thinking it's easy when they get into it. Because I, I, I personally, I got my license at around 35 years old and I thought for sure I'm retired by 40. Hmm. I was going to make a pile of money. It's so easy. Real estate's easy. I was going to make a pile of money, retire at 40 and live the great life with this, you know, bank account full of cash. And then I didn't really make money for the first five years. I made money, but I spent money. Like profitability is tough in this business. Uh, if you're doing this right, I think the most profitable people, the people that sell three homes a year have no marketing budget and they're like 99% profitable because they just do three deals a year. They take their paycheck and, and off they go. Whereas you and I are investing in other things 
that take away from the money you make. Um, and you know, when it comes back to that commission thing, people want to get a cheaper commission. I tell them there's only this much left for me on every deal. So if you're going to take that little bit, then this is for free. Yeah. Because agents on the team get paid, admin gets paid, marketing gets paid, overhead gets paid. And then I get that little bit that you're trying to take. Right. Yeah, I think it, the it's interesting because we're going through it. And again, to, to date stamp this November 14th, 2022, if you're watching this in the future, huge market shift and a heavy buyer's market, you know, they're still seeing lots of sales activity, but the actions it takes to generate the sales activity vastly different. And I think when I, I see people like you, Chris, I think right now people like you are burning away the chafe and really getting their hands back in the business. They're picking up their shovel. We've been head down, just getting deals done for the last couple of years. And now we're coming up being like, all right, what are we building for 2025 to 2030? Like everything I'm doing now, I'm in the office prospecting every day, making phone calls, boots on the ground, looking at every, like every system that we have, I'm ripping it apart and thinking about how is this a five-star experience or what can we do to make it better? And I feel like I'm only... 25% of where I want to be, yeah. but that's the investment that we're talking about. Right. And I think people aligning themselves with people like yourself that really understand the nature of where this entire industry is going and the infrastructure that you're building for then are the ones that are going to decide to be there. And the ones that don't see the value, that's okay. I think people really need to f align themselves with people that they think see what's coming down the pipeline. And I think we're going to be in for a, a big variety of changes in our industry. That said, I want to value your time. I want to ask you a couple rapid fire questions and I'll get you out of here because I know you got lots of things to work on. Okay. First question I always like to ask people, how has failure shaped your life? Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, a very early on in, in my life, you know, I, I grew up quite poor in government housing in Mississauga and, you know, that sort of feeling of where I sat in society once I went to the Valley's junior high really shifted to where it was. And I, and I, Interesting enough, somehow just innately never really thought about failure as an issue, right? Because I knew it wasn't just going to happen. So when you're believing and pressing forward, uh, you know, and you believe that grit is one that's going to get you through, then I don't really think, I don't focus too much on the failure, but really there's also, when I think back, I could probably identify tons of failures, but really what it is, is writing it down, figuring it out and how do we, you know, redirect this ship. So I'm seeing it as a learning opportunity. I'm seeing it as growth. I'm seeing it as you know, reflection on who I was and what I want to be. And, you know, I've gone through a huge change this year with, you know, COVID had an emotional impact on lots of us. And, you know, I was in a bit of a fog and, you know, needed to pull myself out of that. And there was some failures in that. There was some mistakes made on impulsivity or overly stressed or these sort of things that were putting a weight on my shoulders and having an opportunity to reflect on that and realize the impact I'm having on other people when I'm carrying that stress around and delivering it to them. Um, it was a learning opportunity for me. I mean, it's not like an embarrassment. It's not like a worry. I'm, you know, I'm very open about my, my mistakes and stuff. So um, I guess maybe I think of it as mistakes and not failure. I think maybe it's just, these are, these are uh, hurdles in life that we got to get over. And, you know, I say to my kids all the time, when you do the easy things in life, life seems hard. When you do the hard things in life, life seems easy. Right. So try to find the hard things in life and do those things. You know, one of my mentors here in town, I have a, a bunch of older people, businessmen that I go to lunch with and stuff just because they got 30 years, you know, advice for me that they don't even know they have. You know, and he said, I, I back into every parking spot, get the hard part done first. 
I always back in no matter what he backs his boat in everything. He's like back in every spot, do the hard part first. Yeah. I, I love that mentality. I think about it from a situational awareness standpoint that if you ever got to go being parked backwards, makes a ton of sense. The truck's yeah. there parked backwards. So check. Yeah. Um, second thing. And I know you're a lifelong student um, teacher as well, but yeah. what are you learning right now that excites you? Uh, this is one thing that's exciting me right here. What not to say. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. That's a great book. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think, there's a lot of stuff I'm learning about the marketing side of things. Guys like you, Andrew Perry, Tom Story, that's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Learning how to set up these systems to share the knowledge network a little bit more. And what's great is, you know, I'm having these conversations with, you know, Mike Heddle, who we both know, who's revamping. Shout out to the surgeon of real estate himself. I love Mike. He's a good dude. Uh, the most handsome man in real estate. Is that who we're talking about? Yeah. Um, and, uh, Everyone is doing what you're doing. They're stripping things down and they're building up their financial systems again, their deal tracking systems like business trackers and their CRM and the execution. Like, what am I using the CRM for? I feel like all the minds like ours in this industry right now when I'm having these conversations, they're all in that same place. And that excites me is having these collaborations with people like you to really come together on it. And we may not use our, our, our CRMs the same. I might not use the same as Tom Story, but even getting those ideas I can figure out the best way that I can use my CRM. And and I'm excited about that. These new marketing opportunities, podcasts, sharing, what 2023 can bring is super exciting to me in, in you know, revamping exactly what the foundation of this business is. You said you read the millionaire real estate agent, the uh, Gary Keller. I yeah, back in the day. Not for me, but I read it a long, long time ago. If you'll remember in there, there's a there's a, yeah. a picture of a, a, a house that has a bunch of wood all nailed together piecemeal and then a perfect brick house with a door and a window and a lot of us have that piecemeal together business from the last few years where we just like just pile it on let's do this we'll figure it out later we got to rebuild that foundation and rebuild what we have for what this market's going to be for the next five years and i think my favorite part about that is we get to do it in tandem with other people doing amazing things like we can truly move from competitor to collaborator when we have discussions like this and we're doing it for the right intent I can build my house here. You can build your house there. Tom Story can build his house where he builds it. And it just makes it for a better community. And I think what we're trying to do is outshine a lot of the bad stuff that happens in our industry. And it happens. We're well aware of it. But I think if we work hard enough and we educate people enough, it'll make all the difference in the world. So very last question, the most important, given you made time for me and my audience. My platform is now yours. You are standing on the very top of one prime square talking to the entire prime nation. What is your message for everybody out there? Holy shit. You could have set me up for this finisher, Justin. What is my message for everyone out there? I think just believe in what you're doing. Believe in the process. Get out there every day and do what you know is going to work. Don't wonder if it's going to work and figure out your place. If you're not a door knocker, figure out what you need to do to replace that prospecting, right? I've never been a door knocker. I'm, I hate when people knock on my own door. I crawl <laughs> under. I don't even want Unless I know you're coming, I don't want a surprise, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, I shine the bat signal in the air. People come to us. I have a huge event. People come to us. So I kind of create a way for people to come to me once they see what we do. Um, and I think you have to figure it out figure out what it is you want from this business, how you're going to go about getting it, and then put one foot in front of the other. You know, I I did a bunch of trail running for about a decade where I'd run 21, 25K for a while. And everyone always say like, man, how do you do that? I just put dirt behind me, right? You just got to put dirt behind you. And then at some point you're going to get to what your goal is. 
but you got to believe in that process, right? And, and I think a lot of people question it right now. They're not sure what the market's going to be like. They're a little nervous. But this is normal real estate. What we were just in was not normal real estate. No. Now we're in normal real estate. Go out there, go to class every day, and grade twos will become grade fours. You're, you're a very empathetic individual. Um, as I hear you talking, I can see why you love doing what you're doing. Um, the people, really putting the people before the profits is everything. And, you know, I was thinking about that this morning, actually, about how they were talking about some company and, and multi billion dollar valuation and all the assets and the board of directors. And I was like, that sounds exhausting. Like getting to that point in your business where you don't even own your business anymore. And then everything that you do is beholden to just maximizing profits and asset allocation. You're not taking any of that with you. Yeah. I would rather be somebody like yourself where the people that were with you said, man, Chris really impacted my life because of X or somebody that felt that in proximity. So everybody take inspiration from this episode, Chris, thank you so much for making time. I will send you the recording of this and I'm sure I'll have you on a future episode of prime people, but take care for now. All right. We'll see you at the top. Okay. See you brother. Bye.